Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. I'm Michelle Rutter and I'm the Government Relations Manager for NCIA. I'm joined by NCIA's Director of Government Relations, Michael Correa. Hi, Michelle. I know it's been a while since all of our listeners have heard from us here in D.C., but we're really excited to be back and for today's show, so we're just going to get right into it. For today's podcast, we're joined by Linda Green and Shanita Penny, both of whom are on the board of directors of the Minority Cannabis Business Association, which is also known as MCBA. Founded in late 2015, the Minority Cannabis Business Association is the first not-for-profit business league created to serve the specific needs of minority cannabis entrepreneurs, workers, patients, and consumers. I'm also really happy to say that NCIA and MCBA recently announced a partnership with the goals of promoting diversity in the cannabis industry. And in early October, MCBA held their first ever lobby day on Capitol Hill here in Washington, D.C. Well, thanks, Michelle. And uh, so before we get started, I just want to give our listeners a little background on both of our guests today. Uh, Linda, we'll start with you. Can you tell us a little about yourself and what brought you to MCBA and the industry in general? Hi, I'm so happy to be on today. Um, I am a um, uh, Washingtonian um, for 40 some years. And uh, what got me interested in the industry and with the MCBA is that um, my background is public relations and public affairs. Um, so I uh, became interested in the cannabis business about five years ago and uh, started uh, really investigating and looking into it and found out uh, that uh, the people who were most affected uh, by the war on drugs were not in the industry. So I um, actually I, signed, I joined um, NCIA 
And through NCIA, I found out about MCBA. Well, we are very happy to have you, happy to have you as a member of NCIA and happy to have you on today's podcast. Shanita, same question. Tell us about yourself and how you got involved with MCBA. Thanks for having me on this afternoon. I actually transitioned my business consulting firm uh, to serve the cannabis industry about three years ago. Uh, and as I began working with various clients, I realized the need for, um, you know, true advocacy on the not only uh, the, the behalf of patients and, and consumers, but also businesses. And so for the first time uh, as, a, as an entrepreneur and a solo entrepreneur at that, I was faced with, you know, a, a real challenge of having enough bandwidth to uh, do the advocacy work and also um, do the work that pays the bills. And so I found MCBA uh, when, when they launched, I immediately joined. Um, and, you know, from, from membership to now uh, board of directors, um, it's been an amazing journey to connect with people. And I've gotten to, you know, know members of NCIA now through that, uh, you know, relation, newly formed partnership. And so it's been great to connect with the larger uh, cannabis industry and advocacy uh, group as well. So I mentioned a little bit uh, earlier that you guys just held your first ever lobby day. So I'd love for you all to tell us and all of our listeners about that, how many people you had out, how many meetings you did, and what issues you guys were specifically lobbying for. Absolutely. Well, I'll start. This was our, our first uh, effort, and we had 23 uh, members of the organization join us in D.C. Uh, we had companies represented like National Holistic, which is a dispensary here in D.C., um, but also Natural Selections out of Denver and Panacea Valley Gardens of Portland, Oregon. Um, we, so we brought together uh, business professionals, uh, patient advocates, uh, we had 17 meetings throughout the day. Uh, seven of those meetings were with actual members, uh, Congresswoman Barbara Lee, uh, Congressman Lacey Clay, and also Congressman Earl Blumenauer, uh, just to name a few. Wonderful. So tell me a little bit about what issues you guys were, were specifically lobbying for and sort of what your asks were to those, to those offices. Sure. Uh, the three main areas that are topics that we wanted to, you know, educate and, and ask uh, for support on were federal protection for cannabis businesses, uh, reducing barriers of entry for people of color and small businesses, and finally, um, uplifting communities targeted by cannabis prohibition. So we, you know, uh, educated our, our policymakers and their staff um, on priority legislation that you are quite familiar with. You know, we were not far off from, from what, you know, you and, and other organizations are, are going out and, and asking for support with. So again, uh, legislation as it relates to federal protection for small businesses, um, the Small Business Tax Equity Act, um, the Veterans Equal Access Act. We also talked a lot about uh, Senator Cory Booker's uh, Marijuana Justice Act. I just want to uh, say that I've been doing this for four years, and uh, my first lobby days with NCIA was in March of 2014, and I think we had 30 people show up, and even though we had been around a couple years, uh, that was great. And the fact that you got as many people turned out on short notice um, – is really amazing. And so I think I just want to say it's it's really appreciated. Uh, NCIA, 
um, is not going to be able to do this alone. And we need more and more voices in the industry. And I just, uh, your reception that you had uh, the night following your lobby days was amazing. I'm glad we were able to be part of it. And I just want to say you guys have been doing uh, incredible work in a short amount of time. And, and I just thank you for that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. I just want to interject that um, we actually focused this lobby day on the Congressional Black Caucus. Uh, we felt that it was very important for the people, for the members of the caucus who represent uh, the, um, once again, the people who are most affected by the war on drugs and, uh, and who are being um, not really able to participate in this industry, be educated um, um, on uh, MCBA and the industry. Um, and of course, uh, you know, I'm a, in Washington, D.C., so Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton is a, a, one of our most fierce warriors uh, for cannabis um, in, the, in Washington and uh, a major supporter of uh, legalizing cannabis, period. But I was very, very pleased with the, um, with the attendance and with the excitement of, uh, of the members that we did meet with and with their staff asking for more information and cost, uh, follow-up meetings. Uh, so it was, it was very good. I was very happy about it. You brought up a good point. And one, uh, Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton is one of our favorites. She spoke at she's spoken at many of our press conferences. She spoke at an event, a symposium we did in D.C. What was it? Three, two and a half, three years ago. Uh, we gave Barbara Lee a Legislator of the Year award. Her office has been wonderful. Uh, but you bring up an issue, the Congressional Black Caucus. And there was a political issue I wanted to discuss with you. We have heard, you know, uh, Representative Karen Bass is from California, and he, she has been supportive of the cannabis reform issues for years, but she had to take a step back uh, and take her name off of legislation, and she said it was because she was getting pressure from her churches and her communities, and I just want to, you know, that is a big issue, you know, we talk about uh, the the arrest records and what happens to the community, but can you talk about the churches and what it's going to take to educate some of the churches in the community to get them to embrace some of this issue? Because that was really important because here we have a supporter who had to sort of take a step back. And if you wanted to address that, that'd be great. So um, she was one of the members that we had um, a meeting with, and I was not in that meeting. Uh, but um, I was um, you were, Linda, you, so and I will speak, speak to it. Uh -huh, okay. Absolutely. Well, it was a, it was a pleasure to actually sit down um, with Representative Bass because I was aware of her um, issues with you know further supporting the industry, and she made them very clear during our meeting. One of the things that we went into her office saying was that you know we're our, one of our purposes is to uplift the community, and she challenged us on that. And she asked us specifically, you know, what marijuana or cannabis business is doing to uplift the community. And so we started talking about things like the pharmaceutical industry and their ability to go into an, a black church. And on any given weekend, they may do blood pressure testing or diabetes testing, and they're pushing some pharmaceutical uh, drug. And, and the church has no issue with that. But if I were to go into that same church and say, hey, here's a, a, a therapy 
that's natural. It's, it's plant-based. Um, they can address some of the issues of your, your, your members. And, you know, it's, it doesn't have the, uh, the negative effects that some of these pharmaceuticals are proven to have. Oh, and by the way, um, this industry also gives back to the community through, you know, community reinvestment um, or something of that nature. It's not as uh, it's not going to be as easily accepted. And we have a, a huge battle in front of us because so many, many of these churches have been um, the support system for families that have been affected by um, the war on drugs. And cannabis um, is really not viewed any differently in most of these homes and most of these churches. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about our opioid and a heroin ec- uh, epidemic today, but these churches were, um, again, the support systems for the communities that were torn apart uh, when these men are the heads of what sh- who should have been the heads of households in this community were locked up and they were addicted and not productive uh, members of society and, and therefore not, you know, leading these households anymore. So we've got to um, educate you know, first of all, the the black church, because we go there as a community for so much of our, our news. How should we be voting? You know, what issues are important to our community? And until, um, you know, right now, cannabis education, medical cannabis or, or cannabis business, that's left up to, to the industry. There isn't a, a government agency or, or a company that's really vested in educating um, our community and specifically going into those places um, where the church is doing everything from educating, feeding, providing health care um, um, to the community. So uh, Karen Bass challenged us to, you know, really identify <laughs> and quantify how we're uplifting communities. And it, and it isn't just by saying, hey, um, give this person a license because they, they live in this zip code. There's got to be uh, community reinvestment and there's got to be some uh, energy spent addressing um, the long term effects um, that have wreaked havoc on these communities. That's great insight, Shanita. Thank you. But we're going to go ahead and take a short break. But when we come back, we'll be joined by Shanita Penny and Linda Green, board members of the Minority Cannabis Business Association. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a few. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Are you disturbed by the prescription medication commercials on television and their endless list of side effects? They go on and on and you end up having to take multiple pills to counteract the problems caused by the first pill. It never ends. Have you looked into CBD as a more natural option? At Saturn Ranch, we produce all-natural CBD topicals and THC-infused edibles. Premium lab-tested hemp-derived CBD is the most important ingredient in our products. From topical bombs, salt scrubs, bath-soaking salts to tinctures and edibles, you're sure to find something to help. Family-owned and operated, we at Saturn Ranch believe in and use our products daily. Don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. SaturnRanch.com Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. 
Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back from the break. Thanks for tuning in to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. If you're just joining us, I'm Michelle Rutter, and we're here with Shanita Penny and Linda Green, board members of the Minority Cannabis Business Association. So the next topic I wanted to talk to you all about is about your policy summit that I heard that you recently held in conjunction with the Drug Policy Alliance's Reform Conference down in Atlanta. So um, can you both tell us a little bit about the summit and its goals and sort of what came uh, came out of that? Okay, yes. So um, that was that was uh, my first experience um, at the policy summit, and I was just so uh, very um, energized with uh, the uh, uh, attendees who came from all over the country uh, to break up in groups and discuss and try to create and uh, make recommendations for policies um, moving forward and how policies are now how they affect in the industry and how they could uh, really improve. Yeah, so this was our second annual uh, policy summit. Our first policy summit focused on state level uh, adult use uh, model bill. And uh, this year we focused on municipal policy. Uh, We were specifically asked by a number of policymakers uh, after sharing our state level model bill last year, um, you know, to do something on the municipal level. And so we brought together 40 um, uh, activists, medical professionals, cannabis business professionals and owners, um, you know, we put them in one room and we broke up into groups, like Linda said, and we talked about zoning. We talked about public use and social consumption, uh, law enforcement guidance, uh, K through 12 student code of conduct um, changes that have to be made when you are dealing with um, medical marijuana and and the need for children to have access to their medicine. Um, We we took a break for lunch and we had a panel discussion. Uh, The question for the panel was how can the cannabis industry help struggling cities? Uh, And we, we had the participation of city council Kwanzaa Hall, who recently led the effort to uh, decriminalize uh, marijuana possession in the city of Atlanta. And now he is working with uh, policymakers throughout the state to make that um, to to make that happen on a, on a state level. Uh, uh, and then finally, in the afternoon, we talked about, you know, municipal taxation, community reinvestment and, and dealing with gentrification. So it was an amazing day. Um, and now that we had this day of brainstorming and, and making, you know, recommendations, our board and our policy committee will spend the next couple of months fine-tuning what will eventually become the model bill. Uh, And then once it's reviewed by our our legal team, it will be available for uh, policymakers on the municipal level. And and the other uh, thing that I thought was fascinating was the day that we held the policy summit was the same day that Mayor Kasim Reed assigned the um, the legislation to decrim in Atlanta. 
Yeah, it was a great way to it's kick great. off the DPA conference. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think that was a coincidence. I, I remember seeing that and I thought that's really wonderful. You bring up a lot of good points. And one of the main issue, one of the main reasons why I got involved with this is cannabis reform touches on so many different aspects of policy. Um, it's not just drug reform. There's so many other aspects of, of, of society policy that we need to change. But one thing, you know, the industry needs to really work on itself is there's a gap in diversity. Um, and we need to make sure we are creating this industry, although uh, the illicit market has been around for generations, we're creating this new tax and regulated industry from scratch. And we have a right, uh, an opportunity to do it right uh, and create an industry that we are all proud of. Um, but getting back to that gap in diversity, what do you think, what can businesses do to address the diversity gap? What are some examples of just the industry in general and businesses starting up, things that they can do to make sure this is a diverse industry and we are, that we can be proud of? I think the industry should do what um, every other industry is doing. Um, they are, you know, looking at their, their, their clientele. And they want a workforce that is diverse and reflective of that clientele, our consumer base. Um, and the business case for diversity is is really bringing a lot of folks, you know, on board. Um, if they if they aren't on board for just the <laughs> the reasons um, in in your heart, the business case is there. Um, companies that have diverse boards, boards that have you know women um, included, they perform better. And so when you start to look at metrics like that, you have not only the, the social case for it, but the business case. And, and we've got industries and companies that have been around for decades and hundreds of years that are still struggling with it. Um, I've had the pleasure uh, of, of growing up in this as I you know, went through school and you know, started to do internships and co-ops and eventually went out into the workforce. It was kind of the thing. And so for me, um, I've seen good programs around diversity and inclusion, and I've seen, you know, those programs that are just about checking the box. And where I thrived, where I felt the most comfortable, were the, were the places that, uh, you know, were diverse. And I definitely walked into plenty of places where I was the only woman or the only um, person of color, uh, especially coming from technology. Um, IT is a, is a very um, male-dominated place, um, and, and the makeup is changing. And, and while sometimes I'm the only uh, woman, I'm typically not the only person of color as, you know, the industry has gone global. And so I've, I've had the pleasure of seeing this done well, and I hope to bring some of those things to um, the cannabis industry. States like Pennsylvania are getting it right. They're, they're starting the industry in a place where they're asking, hey, what are your intentions as it relates to uh, ownership, diverse ownership? What are your intentions as it relates to uh, employment and uh, supplier diversity? And then finally, how are you going to impact the community? Have you looked at, you know, historically what's happened with uh, prohibition and this and, and the community that you intend to go um, into business in? Uh, and, and finally, let's look at, you know, things like the, the opiate crisis and, and how we can leverage um, what we're doing in cannabis to start to address and heal um, not only the historic wounds, but those newer 
um, ills. Okay, well, we're going to take another short break, but when we come back, we'll be joined by Shanita Penny and Linda Green, so don't go away. We'll be back in just a few. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Running a successful cannabis business isn't easy. Successful businesses need to have strong people to achieve long-term results. At Live Advisors, we believe people are the heart of business, and training people can help you infinitely grow your business. Learn more about our offerings at liveadvisors.com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back from the break. Thanks for tuning in to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. If you're just joining us, I'm Michelle Rutter, and we're here with Shanita Penny and Linda Green, board members of the Minority Cannabis Business Association. So, Shanita, just before we went to the break, you mentioned Pennsylvania, and I know some other states like Massachusetts, for example, have written their cannabis laws so that people of color who have been harmed by the drug war are not necessarily forbidden from getting involved in the industry. Um, Can you talk a little bit more in depth about that and why it is so important? Well, like you said, only California and Massachusetts actually guarantee um, that people with cannabis-related felonies can participate uh, in the adult use industry. So they've got that, um, you know, going for them. And and I, you know, my hope uh, is that other states will move in that direction. Um, in, In addition to that, I mean, just taking a look at, you know, the communities that you're serving and the, the real, the good that you can do, um, by identifying and, and working to be inclusive in not only the medicines that are produced, but again, the hiring, the communities that you're going into. Linda, do you want to add anything to that? Yes. I think that, uh, we really need to do a lot more education in the community to, um, let people know that whatever, their career is in the business world that they can apply that in the cannabis industry and, you know, uh, make it available for them to, um, to, to, um, take their accounting skills and, you know, work for someone in the cannabis in the industry. Um, I would like to see more, um, business, uh, universities, um, that specialize in cannabis, um, in the future. Hopefully we can get some of those going. 
So uh, how can either the general public or members of the industry encourage states to enact those expungement laws? Um, Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what that would entail? It's absolutely imperative that we support um, and, and get our lawmakers on board with the Marijuana Justice Act. I mean, for, in terms of legislation, it's the first time that there's been a lens on, um, you know, really going after an, an automatic expungement for folks that have been um, convicted of, of cannabis uh, felonies. And and so, yeah, we got We have to start there. We've, we've got to get the, the laws in place that, you know, make it easy for someone who's been um, affected by this to, for it to not stay with them. So even if it's not involvement in the industry, it's just about being able to, to move on with your life when it comes down to expungement. Linda, you want to add anything? Working uh, closely with the local and state representatives uh, is uh, critical on that part. I know that in Washington, D.C., that uh, there are various um, careers or uh, there's various legislation that's being introduced uh, for expungement in, um, in the city. So that should also apply to the cannabis industry. So um, how specifically can the industry create more accessibility for people of color, whether they be entrepreneurs or patients? So um, we have to reach out uh, to people. We, we have to start in the communities and, and start doing uh, little maybe uh, town hall settings um, in the communities to dispel all the myths around this industry. You know, one of the things that when we go back, I'm going to pick up on the churches again, uh, the black churches, what they see in the community of cannabis is the black market, which is thriving in certain communities. And that black market uh, has uh, um, marijuana that is... uh, perhaps produced uh, with other chemicals and has other reactions. So uh, we have to let them know the medicinal effects of pure marijuana and um, and um, uh, the uh, THC and CBD and, and, um, and all of this. It all, all comes back to education. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, one of the, you know, uh, the cannabis industry has been criticized for not being diverse enough, which is, which is true, but a lot of people have criticized NCIA itself for not doing enough, which couldn't be further from the truth. And a lot of times, instead of partnering with us to be part of the solution, they just criticize from the outside and don't be part of the solution to make the industry more diverse. But my question to you is, how can groups like NCIA, uh, MPP, Normal, those who are advocates, Uh, make sure that we're doing our part to help uh, MCBA's mission? Well, just to kind of go back to the last question and then answer yours, um, what we can all, you know, do is is really work um, state by state to address things like licensing caps, um, the high licensing fees, and and just the the barriers to entry. Because while they are affecting um, people of color and, and, and they are preventing diversity in the industry. Uh, from that standpoint, it really just um, 
takes away from the diversity of the industry in terms of the types of businesses that are getting involved. When you look at a state like Maryland, where you only have 15 cultivation licenses, you've already created an industry that isn't diverse based on the, the, the company size, right? To compete and, and get licensed to operate in the state of Maryland, you are, you know, very well funded. You are probably attached to some, you know, cannabis firm from another state. Um, and chances are you have very little um, local ownership. Uh, and, and, you know, we're starting to see the data on this industry as it develops. Um, but, you know, first things first, as an industry, we have to go in and because this is happening state by state right now, we have to go in and impact um, the licensing process um, first and foremost. Um, and then and then finally, uh, again, I when I got into the cannabis industry, you know, I, of course, saw the NCIAs and, and other organizations. And, you know, the first year in, I, I, I threw a lot of money in a lot of different directions and didn't quite know uh, what was going to have the most impact. Um, and, you know, MCBA kind of just attracted me because of the the makeup of the founders and the board. And, and you know, that there were a lot of similarities, but there were also some leaders already um, in this industry that were a part of the organization. So, you know, Again, kudos, and I'm so excited about this partnership between MCBA and NCIA. And I think, you know, things like um, creating a lobby day where people who may have never lobbied before and those that have had the experience lobbying with other organizations felt comfortable, knew that, you know, the priorities for us were aligned with their priorities. And now how do we go? And, you know, NCIA has this as a priority as well, how do we leverage our talent, our skill, our experiences to move forward and, you know, get the support on this legislation that moves this industry in a better direction uh, in terms of diversity and, and other uh, pieces that we need as it relates to industry and business and patient rights. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for today, but I would like to say a big thank you to Shanita and Linda for joining us. Don't forget to visit the Minority Cannabis Business Association's website at minoritycannabis.org to see how you can become a member and get involved with their mission. And to our listeners, don't forget that NCIA's quarterly event series, the Quarter Quarterly Cannabis Caucuses, are currently happening in various cities all across the country. You can visit www.thecannabisindustry.org events to see the schedule and register for an event near you. And don't forget about our second annual Seed to Sale show happening February 7th and 8th in, De in Denver. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.